hello welcome to our oscar party watch along hope you enjoyed beyonce so far how's it going get all our speakers go ahead get in here unmute yourself feel free to do so if you want to call in feel free to do so if you want to join in hop in feel free to do so we're just watching the oscars dj Khaled is on screen for some reason why is dj Khaled on the oscars can anyone tell me forrest unmute yourself can you please tell me why dj Khaled is on the oscars right now all right we're getting started with the show thank you so much for joining me on culture for this live call-in episode where we're talking about the oscars thank you everyone for joining me we're going to watch it we're going to talk about the movies i'm going to ask you what movies you've seen what do you think who the winners will be who the losers will be what do you think of the jokes what do you think of the monologues what do you think of beyonce so far Forrest, Carly, feel free, unmute yourself and introduce yourself whenever you're ready to get started. We're just having yeah, a fun discussion. To, We're going to talk about the big movies. I watched a bunch of them this weekend. Too many, far, far too many movies this weekend. Uh, but please, Forrest, how's it going? It's going all right. I'm trying to get YouTube TV set up because I did the free trial. Oh, wait, trial sorry. Couldn't hear you. Go ahead, brother. One more time. Oh, I'm trying to get YouTube TV set up because uh, I don't have cable and they yeah. have a five-day free trial. That's how I did it last year, too. Yo, yeah, get your five-day free trial, huh? Well, I mean, so far, nothing is happening so far. We're just doing the monologue. I feel like, actually, a lot of the best stuff all happened yesterday. They were doing, like, the Lifetime Achievement Award for Sam Jackson, and they're not showing down on TV. They're just uh, showing DJ Khaled instead. <laughs> I don't know. DJ Khaled way too overhyped, in my opinion. I don't. I don't know how he's managed all these marketing deals. Not even a yeah, as a director. In uh, as a director, he's overhyped. As a as a director, actor, producer, <laughs> content creator, <laughs> DJ. Since he only produced one track, actually, like you know, actually got in the mix on one track in like the early two thousands or something. All right, and. Uh... Guests, please unmute yourself and introduce yourself. We're doing it informally, so everyone, as soon as you hop in, just introduce yourself. Hey, y'all. My name is Carly. I'm a co-host of Hit Factory Pod. I'm happy to be here, Leslie. Thanks for having me. Uh, thank you so much for joining. Tell people about Hit Factory. Hit Factory is a uh, movie and politics podcast focusing primarily on the movies of the 90s and the politics of the 90s, which are more relevant than ever, in my opinion. All right. And looks like we got your co-host here as well. Hey, everybody. Uh, Aaron is here uh, from the Hit Factory uh, call-in account. Uh, good to be here. Thanks, Leslie, for the invite. Good to see, good to hear, I guess, you, Carly, Forrest. How's it going, everyone? All right. So we, if you, anybody wants to call in, feel free to do so absolutely anytime. Tell you, tell us what you think about this Oscars night, what you're excited for. Oh, Jane Campion showing her face. Uh, did get almost canceled last week. Is anybody going to get canceled this week? What do we think about the looks, the fashion? everything where everything's on the table the movies as well it's all on the table i'm so excited to be here tonight with all of you we got even more guests uh coming in so please feel free 
hang out. We're just going to have a good time, and we'll keep watching as long as we can stand it. Uh, they are showing Sam Jackson now. He looks happy, even though he did not get to actually accept his Oscar on TV, unfortunately. You can see it on Twitter via, like, uh, somebody in the crowd took a TikTok video. It's been interesting to hear the conversation online about how they're making all this room for, like, Lin-Manuel Miranda and all this other sort of, like, hokey TikTok shit, and that the good stuff, like, the meat is what they relegated to, like, the day before, where it's sort of just, like, a streaming broadcast that, you know, they held in, like, a conference room or whatever. I, I feel like the Oscars was already really hollowed out, and this year it feels... It feels like they really just got rid of all the good stuff. Yeah, so let's talk about the movies tonight. Which ones have y'all seen? Which ones are you excited for? Which ones do you think actually deserve an award? Open up the panel. Please just hop in. Anybody wants to call in and give their thoughts, feel free to do so as well. I, I'm i not sure how well the monologue is going. It looks like the star... Oh, John Travolta looks very strange. He looks like... Like he's one of the CGI box covers that he's on for all like cheap the cheap ass movies he's doing. Jane Jane Campion is definitely going to win for best director, right? Like I don't think that that's a um, a competition whatsoever. Uh, I th- like because you know they've had a lot of talk about how um, only two women have ever won best director, and last year obviously one of them was uh, Chloe Z- Chloe Zhao for uh, for. Nomadland, which I did not like whatsoever. Not a good movie. But um, but she's definitely the one that's going to take that, right? Yeah, I think so. I think we can expect Campion for Power of the Dog for director. I feel like that's going to be the consolation prize uh, for them to to award the biggest prize of the night, best picture, to our, our friend Coda. Oh, gosh. Okay, so... <laughs> Power of the Dog. I don't. I, I I watched Power of the Dog this week, and let's talk about Power of the Dog for anybody who's seen it. I thought it was a pretty good thriller in the second half. The ponderous prestige drama in the first half was boring and unnecessary. Uh, the fact that it's you know is a movie about you know with, you know, gay themes and cowboys 20 years after Brokeback Mountain and there's no sex seems like a step backwards to me. Like, as, like Benedict Cumberbatch just, like, rubs leather. That's how, that's the most sensual scene you get on here is him rubbing a saddle. It feels very, as restrained. Well, that is, that is how they, uh, that is how they, you know, uh, made love out on the range. You know what I mean? They, you know, nobody was around. They would just rub leather. That's the, uh the classic cowboy way yeah i mean and there's like it just seems very as restrained the film felt as restrained as the characters in it until the second half when it becomes like a thriller when it becomes like hannibal rising almost when it's like okay i enjoyed that movie a lot more i wouldn't give that movie an oscar um it would have been a lot better if it was just like a 90 minute thriller i'm not sure why it is, has the buzz. It's like this all-time great movie because it's just like, you know, kind of a murder thriller. And it, and that's a good, good thing. I dig it. Did anyone else uh, see Power of the Dog? I'll jump in. I, I feel like 
Jane Campion winning best director for Power of the Dog is going to be like a 30 year makeup for the piano. I believe she was I believe she was nominated. If she wasn't nominated best uh then it then the piano was definitely nominated for best picture. Um and I watched these two films, The Piano and The Power of the Dog, in conjunction with one another. And I think it made me appreciate The Power of the Dog a little bit more. Just, you know, sort of as a, as a visual feat, which, um, which it definitely is. But I agree with you that it, in the back half, it definitely picked up as more of a thriller. I liked it. I don't think it's best picture worthy. Um, and I think that Campion is a solid director. She's very interested in place. She's interested in um, people and sort of how they interact with with systems. Um, and this movie certainly examined that. But I'm totally with you, Leslie. It felt a little bit regressive. It felt like something that could have been made maybe in the 90s and been um, been provocative then, but definitely in 2022. Um, I think could have pushed the envelope a little bit more. I agree with that. I'll echo Carly's sentiment. You know, I, I, I liked the power of the dog just fine. I think the piano is definitely like the superior work in Campion's filmography. And I do kind of feel like, you know, if, if the awards go to it tonight, it is one of those kind of like 30 years on sort of like makeup Oscars, right? Like they, they get it wrong so often or, you know, feel the need to kind of award award a filmmaker, you know, and, and give them their due long past, like the point at which they made their best movies. Like, I feel like they did that with Scorsese too, right? Like, I, don't get me wrong. I love The Departed, but I think there's a handful of his other films that probably deserve that award more. Um but yeah, I mean, in terms of like a best picture tonight, I I don't know who else is really in the running. I, I'll admit I haven't seen Drive My Car yet. I, I have heard fantastic things about Drive My Car, but I don't. I just don't know. It's uh, and Drive My Car was like almost three hours, right? It was the longest by any stretch of of any of the movies that are nominated tonight. I think. Yeah, it's a three-hour movie. I didn't check it out because, I mean, three-hour movies about Japanese divorcees as widowers, you know, I've seen a lot of those, so I kind of dismissed it, but I've seen some really great reviews, and I kind of scanned through it. It's a really beautiful-looking film. I think it's one that's worth watching. I haven't got a chance to check it out yet, but it seems really cool. But, Jack, I see you're in the color queue. I'm inviting you to speak check your notes or something and you should be able to uh, or maybe i can hanzi i took you as the caller sorry jack but hanzi how's it going you got a question for us no yeah i'll, I'll be quick because you'll listen, i'll admit that i've been more in the wrestling bubble the last few years that i don't get, get a chance to watch as many movies as possible i keep for you i keep up for your opinion all i wanted to say was that if you want to make award shows like in any form of like you know movies emmys and all that kind of stuff you want to make it more interesting i think they should adopt the pro wrestling model and have the previous winners of the awards defend their titles at the next year awards. <laughs> You, you'll so, get a so lot you, more promos. You'll get more pettiness. Like, ha- imagine De Niro having to, like, give his award up to, like, the next guy who doesn't seem worthy. Ah. 
I think that, that that's the next goal of what the award show should be to keep it interesting. But yo, I, I don't want to hold you guys up. I'll, I'll let I'll let Jack get on because he's probably more knowledgeable of everything. I just wanted to give you a shout out and just say what up to all you guys. So I just want to say that. Take it easy, guys. Peace out. All right, all right. Thank you so much, Hansi, for the great call. I think that's a brilliant idea. Yes, if you win Best Actor, you gotta defend it every year. You gotta take it from. You gotta keep it, and if the other, and the other guys have to take it from you. I like that. I like that a lot, actually. Yeah, you know, my big pitch for the Oscars, and hello everyone, uh, I've arrived to this, the wonderful Oscars watching party. Uh, I watched the first couple minutes, uh, you know, off uh, the call-in app, and it's been quite boring so far. Um, I suspect that's how it'll be for the rest of the night. (laughs) Um, uh, But yeah, you know, my big pitch for the Oscars is that some years they should not award a Best Picture. They should have nominees Uh. every time. But they should, at some years, come out and open the envelope and say, we will not be awarding a Best Picture this year. Please make better movies next year, and perhaps then we will award a Best Picture. Um, that would be my big pitch for the Oscars. Um, I did see all of the, the, the Best Picture nominees here, so this is an exciting night uh, you know, for, for me and for Tinseltown. Because um, for me, pretty much the only well, two Jack. Movies... Before you get started, can I ask uh, who are you wearing? Who am I wearing? Well, right now, Leslie, uh, thank you for asking. I'm wearing a a, a wonderful um, kaiju inspired Mario or a Bowser versus Donkey Kong T-shirt. Um, it's a black T-shirt, which I find kind of slimming. And uh, of course, I'm also wearing uh, drawstring um, shorts as well, as is my custom. Oh, shorts weather already in California. You know, uh, it's it's been a little bit all over the place lately, but uh, it is uh, it was a little bit warm today. Uh, you know, even though it has been kind of cold lately too, it's it's all over the place. It's sixty four degrees out here right now. All right, the stars are now out. Jack, you've seen all the movies. What did you think about Power of the Dog? You know. How uh, I'm looking through here, I'm like, how safe a space is this? I'm like, what I think about Power of the Dog is that I actually think Sam Elliott was mostly right about it. Um, I don't think Power of the Dog, you know, for me, it it didn't really evoke, like, the American West for me. Um, and I also just don't think Benedict Cumberbatch is a particularly good actor, you know? Um he was kind of doing his Doctor Strange accent for the entire movie. And I'm like, this man doesn't have like a, you know, he doesn't have anything beyond, you know, like a, a different type of American accent. Like he sounds exactly the same as Doctor Strange. Yeah. And the character was similar. The character was like exactly the same character too, right? Like he was just kind of a dick. Yeah. He's just kind of a rude American. And I'm like, you know, he's, he's doing an American accent, but I kind of get the sense that that's just the only American accent that he can do. Um, and yeah, I don't know, uh, this has been belabored a lot, but I don't think that the, you know, the plains of New Zealand really look like the American West, and I don't know, it just felt a little hollow, and while it did pick up a little in that, in the, in the, in the final hour, um, I, I mostly found it pretty boring, um, and so I think it'll probably win tonight. All right, we got our first win, who won for what? I was not, Ariana uh... Du Bois won for West Side Story, and... West Side Story, I am a, I'm a fan of actually, and she was great in it. I could not watch that one because of all the the lens flare, like what, oh, what I was Steve? It. I I could not stand it. I was like, what is he trying to do? 
Yeah, I think that West Side Story for me, you know, I was even watching some stuff from it last night. I'm like, I think Steven Spielberg did create another masterpiece in West Side Story. And I think it's better than the original. And I, I watched that movie and I wow. see like every single shot I think is, is gorgeous. Um, and, you know, Spielberg's directing is so sort of choreographed and balletic to begin with. I think it was a really good fit for him to do a musical. The only two Best Picture nominees that I'm like really a fan of as Best Picture nominees are West Side Story and Drive My Car. Okay, okay. And we have another speaker on. Please introduce yourself, Lonnie. Oh, hi. Hi, Leslie. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you for coming on. Please introduce yourself. Tell people what you're about and tell us who your pick is for best picture. Um, well, uh, my name is Lani. I go by Phantom Roses on Twitter. I'm a graphic designer and I just... I was not, I, I've only seen one movie, uh, and that was Dune. Dune. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you can answer wow. a question then. Do you believe that Dune deserves an Oscar for Best um, Picture? I, I cannot say if it deserves it, considering I haven't watched all the other nominees. Um. But I did appreciate, you know, I, I did, I did like, I did like Dune. Um, it was just, I, I just, I don't know what to say about it. It's just, it's a, it's a, it's a good movie. For I, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, as a winner, I don't think so. I think the last time I've ever been excited for like seeing a movie was when Parasite won, like all those years <laughs> ago, a couple of years ago, and I really loved that movie. Um, so <laughs> it yeah, does raise hard. the question uh what what Hansi was asking who would right now be still be the best pitcher if you had to win it every year if you had to beat the next movie which movie would still have it would it be like no country for old men since like 2008 would still be the best pitcher every year that is a good question. That is a I'm, question, As I'm yeah. going through here, yeah. I'm like, because the, the cancer in the Academy Awards goes back so many years, you know what I mean? Like, there's so like there's so many years where, like, the wrong movie was picked as the best picture that, yeah, like, it's, I'm kind of going back through. I'm like, you know, Birdman would not have had a, a very long reign, you know what I mean? Birdman or the <laughs> unexpected virtue of, of ignorance. You know, Birdman, that's a, you know... Um, you kind of forget. Oh, maybe, maybe the Lord of the Ring Return of the King would still be the best picture right now. Maybe the Lord of the Rings Return of the King from 2003. That was my favorite thir third movie, I guess. How, so, yeah. how, corrupt, how corrupt is this uh, hypothetical universe? Well, I don't know, yeah. Because, because I think that Jeff Bezos would 100% be able to um, pay people to uh, keep Nomadland up there and have people <laughs> in it. Yeah. Well, that brings up an interesting question about tonight and the Academy of Voters, too. How many, because Coda is an Apple TV Plus exclusive, how many Academy voters have Apple stock? Probably a lot. That's a good question. Okay. I got to speak about Coda. Because, so, <laughs> obviously, representation, cool. Actors, great. I loved, you know, having actual uh, hearing impaired uh, disabled people in playing those roles and they were great and absolutely phenomenal 
Marley Matlin, she's a former Oscar winner. Yeah, yeah, and the and the dad too was absolutely great. He was hilarious. Love the characters. Great Hallmark movie. I really enjoyed it. I don't think it's an Oscar movie. It's yeah. like a very light, sentimental family comedy. It's I was not shocked. I, I was an shocked Oscar actually. movie. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was shocked. You know, at the well, first of all, I agree with you, Leslie, and I, I did think the scenes that were like all in sign language were pretty good, and I think the parents are like very, it's like compelling to watch people act, you know, using American sign language. But there are a lot of scenes that don't have the deaf parents in them and it is literally a lifetime movie you know what i mean like this is a movie about like a teenage girl like learning about her breathy singing and like getting in choir and being in love with a boy and i was like almost... shocked i was shocked at how like how the lighting looked like it is such a lifetime movie i i couldn't even believe it it actually kind of reminds me of like those like uh those like christian movies you see advertised it's, it's not before. a hallmark movie yeah it's a hallmark. I, it's like a, a Christian flicks kind of movie. I fully agree with you. I will give two caveats. One is um, I have not seen this movie. Two is my dad is deaf. And I love Marley Matlin. And the fact that I was not stirred to explore this film at all, huh. um, especially considering that it is, it is a, a, you know, a type of, representation and the subject matter that's very near and dear to my heart I think says a lot like I saw it and I was like this doesn't look real this looks like a this looks like a tv movie at best and I think I feel that way about a lot of the nominations this year they just um they just seem kind of they seem kind of empty they seem more sort of like commercial commercialized for for tv um and I, I don't know if I'll ever watch this movie, which, as I said, is kind of like a big deal, given that I love Marley sure. and my father is deaf. Yeah, you are, you know, like the character in the movie, and still this movie doesn't speak <laughs> to you. I'm um, exactly her. <laughs> yeah, I, I was surprised by the movie, you know. I, 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 I'm not going to say, like, I hated it or anything, but it's it's it feels like... Apple te- Apple doesn't know how to make movies yet. Like it kind of feels like they're like they shouldn't have even put it up for you know an Oscar because Apple is a phone company that is just like just learning how to make movies right now. I agree with that. It kind of feels like the same the same thing that is wrong with Ted Lasso, which I tried to give a watch this last year um, and had to tap out pretty quickly. It, it's kind of a miserable experience, but like. There is no arc for any characters that lasts longer than like five to 10 minutes of total screen time. Every complication in a person's life, every challenge they face is resolved by the end of the scene or by the end of the episode. And I feel like when I was watching Coda, like every everything was just like this kind of gooey happy feeling thing where like no one ever had any sort of like adversity for longer than like uh, the the five minutes that it felt a little uncomfortable and then it was resolved. Now I'm kind of watching what, what bit they're doing up here. Some kind of comedy bit about COVID and being married. Good times. 
I saw I saw there was a, a crypto.com uh ad in the beginning when they yeah. cut back to the thing or whatever. How how <laughs> overrepresented is crypto uh this award season plus like I don't know, I just feel like they're they're everywhere this this year. Uh the most annoying people on Twitter have put their money into something that now is overrepresented on every single commercial break for everything. <laughs> All right, and it looks like we have the one and only Katie Halper joining us. Please stop being so shy, everyone. Unmute yourself, Katie. Say hello. Hey. Get in here. Hi. Can you guys hear me? Yes. Hi. Hey, what's going on, Katie? How are you? Good. You guys? Good. Hi, Katie. Hi. Happy Oscars, everyone. Oh, so, Katie, <laughs> who's your Oscar pick for this year? Who do you think is the best picture? Best picture? Give me, remind me of my options. Oh, jeez. Uh, well, there was Dune, there was Coda, mm. there was Power of the Dog, Drive mm. My Car, mm. King Richard, Don't Look Up. I'm not sure if you can pick that, Katie. I think you have, a, like, a vested interest there. Well, what else? My other conflict options? of interest. Uh, Licorice Pizza, Nightmare Alley, West Side Story. I literally seen one. Well, I think... Belfast. Only... Oh, you know what? This... Wow. You know what? I'm, you, I, I have, I've seen two of them. So there are two, <laughs> Which two possible wins. Belfast and Don't Look Up. Okay. Yeah. Um, did you, did you like symbol. Did you like Belfast? I did. I did like Belfast. It was very moving. I saw it in the big theater, which I think helped. I feel like I'm, I'm glad I was able to see it in a big screen. Because, yeah, it was very intimate. And yeah, black and white. I, I, I feel like I feel like Bel- like the politics of Belfast, I guess, like because because it is a historical story about uh, Kenneth Branagh's family or whatever, and like the the part of you know they were like loyalists, and that kind of took me out of it. I was like, I don't want you guys to fucking win. Like, I, I want you guys to flee, and they did. They fled, but like I didn't. I wasn't. spoiler alert, everyone. Spoiler alert. But I understand. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Whoa, in some ways, I, watching Belfast, I was like, in the first couple minutes. It was kind of exciting. I was like, okay, cool. I, I don't know that much about this. I'd like to see a movie about the Troubles. But it's really not that. Like, it is a very personal and small movie. And it really is more about, like, this little boy falling in love. And then he kind of, like, leaves before anything exciting happens. I don't even, like, super want to get into the politics of Belfast, which, you know, ends with, like, a heroic SWAT team kind of protecting the family right. or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it just is, like... It's a very like small movie, um, but and, and sort of really contained to just that one city block, more or less. Yeah, very cute kid. Hmm. Yeah, Kids is I, cute, I ever... but the movie again is like very—it's just a light comedy. It's like Leave It to Beaver with some of the troubles in the background, but the take on the troubles is just <laughs> like, can't we all just get along? Well, nope, we'll move to the, uh, we'll move out then. Literally that. It's literally why can't we all just get along? And it's funny because I don't know. I, I feel like it, it focuses on the religious aspects and not like the colonial aspects, which really are the problem with the troubles, right? Like it's the British Empire kind of imposing their will and treating the Irish like shit. And then some of the Irish are like, well, we can stick with this. And the other part of like the population is like, no, we should leave and have our own country away from this. And this this movie kind of condenses all of that you don't even see that part of it. And they're just like Protestants and Catholics. What's the deal with that? You know, they, why can't they just get along? They're pretty much the same thing anyway. <laughs> it looks like Dune has just taken uh, best sound. Is it? 
Hey, uh, you know, I, I saw Dune in IMAX, and uh, I will concur that Dune had the most remarkable sound that I've seen in a movie theater this year. Uh, I've got there's other things I don't like about Dune, but uh, I do think the sound design was quite good. I saw right. the Batman movie, guys. Oh, you <laughs> saw the Batman movie? Yeah, Katie, wh- why? Oh, wow, I would not expect you to go see no. the Batman movie, no. especially the three-hour one. What I did saw, you think? I, I liked it, and I and I saw an IMAX because I let a friend convince me that that would be the right way to see it, but it wasn't even done in IMAX, so it was just kind of crappy. Oh, to watch yeah. it in IMAX, I think if it's not done IMAX, but I liked it. Oh, you liked it. Neither yeah. Jack and I liked it. We thought it was the worst Batman movie. In really? <clears throat> yeah. Well, I mean, I'm still not. I feel like maybe that is like proof that it's bad. That fact that I liked it. I'm so <laughs> unknowledgeable about Batman. All right, so we got. Oh, we have a white man can't jump uh, reunion. Yeah. They are doing a sequel uh, for oh, us. Oh my this goodness! Isn't just for us. This is. They are doing this. This, I, I think I read it in Variety maybe a couple weeks ago. The sequel is coming. Sequel slash reboot is coming. Uh, but we got With our Jack Carlo. Harlow. I don't. White man can't jump. It's such a specific to. It's so specific to the time. Like it's very like that. The nineties, early nineties. I I don't know what you can say with that movie now, but I guess we'll see. All right, so we got callers on the line. So, Jay, go ahead. If you want to go ahead and mute yourself, ask a question, give a comment, tell us who your pick for the winners are. Will you be seeing white men still can't jump? Please let us know. Hello, everyone. Just seeing how this works really quick. I'm not watching anything, but just to pop off because YouTube comments don't like me saying that Benedict Cumberbatch is a literal plantation owner. Him and his entire family are literal plantation owners. Wow. He goes to red carpets dressed up as a plantation owner. Jared Bush, the director of Encanto, is a literal CIA agent, member of the Bush crime family. He's proud and out about it. Other I did things. not know this, but I am not. I would not be surprised by either of these developments. I mean, Benedict Cumberbatch, he has big plantation owner energy, as seen by like the roles he takes. So, I mean, literally, he was. Like a big rich guy holding a ranch in uh, Power of the Dog. Literally. He loves that shit. So, yeah, look it up. I can't watch. I'm not a fan of this, but, you know, I'm listening to you guys watching it, and it's fun. So thanks for doing that, and I'll keep listening. I'll right, keep popping you. off in the comments, too, if right, I see anyone. You. Sus. Thank you so much, Jay. Much appreciated. All right. We'll take a go ahead. Uh any comments on that Benedict Cumberbatch plantation? Order? I mean, this thing about Jared Bush, I'm, I, I was actually surprised to find this out. Jared Bush, um, I guess, is related to the Bushes. Um, I'm, I'm just like looking at here. It's like Bush co-wrote the script of Zootopia and co- co-directed the film. Uh, he was excited to work on a spy film because both his father and grandfather worked for the CIA. <laughs> uh, I'm like, so yeah, I guess he's like among those Bushes. So you start at Zootopia, do the the cop movie, and then you end up doing Encanto. I'm shocked. Uh, that is, I'm shocked by that caller review. Oh, his thing. wiki is very cute. His wiki is curious because it doesn't link back to the flat family. You would just think that oh, he's just a guy named Bush who happens to be grew up in Gaithersburg, Maryland. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it just happens. Oh, wow, yeah. I'm trying to wild. figure it out. It's like it it it, it seems very strange. Uh, it is very curated. 
Just a, just a question. Why is John Travolta here? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. He looks he looks like CGI. Where are you guys is. watching? Where can I watch? Oh, we're watching on T. I'm watching on TV. Yeah, just wherever. Okay. I'm just... Yeah, this is on ABC. Yeah, it's yeah. actually not that much happening. They they cut off Sam Jackson, but I feel like what? all the what yeah, he went for he, uh, lifetime achievement, and they didn't uh, show it. They did. They looked at his speech. They looked at his speech. It was just motherfucker written over and over and over. <laughs> wow. I mean, I think that I'll just go back quickly to the uh, the plantation owner um, and the the part about um, the Bush family. Like in general, I think like the the conflicts of interest that consistently <laughs> inform the way these types of um like long-standing institutional events go down is like not something that people talk about enough um so i appreciate i appreciate jay bringing that up and i also just think in general like you know if we're asking questions like how many people uh on on the academy board like own apple stock and things like that it's like it comes back to the thing that we we always come back to in the late stages of capitalism which is like everything everything is chosen for us based on like market factors and based on like corporate power, not actually based on the caliber of or quality of the storytelling or, um, you know, what we pretend it may be. Thanks so much for, sorry about that. It it looks like, uh, Dune, Dune won best cinematography. Uh, Greg Frazier. I, I just saw him walk up on, on stage and yeah. at the award. I mean, as my partner YB said, there's some very pretty shots of um, convention centers in space in Dune. <laughs> it is very pretty looking. Yeah, I, I really loved the cinematography in Dune, but... Uh, it is yeah. just boxes in the desert. <laughs> Every... Sorry, I was going to say, every every spaceship in the Dune movie looks like some various brand of Bluetooth speaker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, Dune, I, I, I didn't really like Dune. And it's bothered me that this is by far the dumbest version of Dune you can get. This is the Paul W.S. Anderson version, where maybe a little bit less fun, maybe a little bit with a slower pace, more ponderous. But and it bothers me that this is considered like the best, like like picture, because I feel like you you know you Oscars used to look down on this sort of thing, like science fiction and uh, superhero stuff, and this is the most superhero-y, you know, science fiction, uh, you know, uh, light pop actiony version of Dune, rated PG-13. Villeneuve says he was going for that vibe, so I don't know why this movie is up there, except for it's one of the few movies that looks even halfway decent uh, that came out. Do you think they're trying to prop it up or make it feel like, you know, this is going to be the sci-fi version of Lord of the Rings? Is that what you're thinking? Or... <laughs> it... <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's why they had nominated it this year. Yeah, it feels like that. But I don't think Villeneuve like moved to New Zealand for like a decade. You know, he put the work in 
that yeah, uh, I, I Jackson think their like kind of attempt at making the op- Oscars a little more populist while kind of you know disregarding that not that many people really went to see Dune. Yeah. Did anyone see White Man Can't Jump in the theaters? In the theater, I think I actually think I did. I actually did the White Man Can't Jump in the theater, and I remember it. It is rated R, I, but I think I came, I came in maybe like I think after the news. Yeah, I saw it with my dad. I think I was not alive, so yeah. Well, that's why I said <laughs> any of you. I didn't think all of you. Had, no. <laughs> I would. I, I was would... alive. I did not see it in theaters, um, but I definitely. It was on all the time on like, uh, like premium cable. I think so. I remember seeing it like you know on TV a lot. Um, <clears throat> but we actually. Aaron and I, uh, for Hit Factory, for another another show we were um, we're doing called Thirty Years Later, just watched White Men Can't Jump um, because the anniversary of its release is in fact today, which is why they had them up on uh, on stage. Yeah, wow, that's a great show, by the way. We we're not the host of Thirty Years Later. Our, our friends uh, Ricky and Chris, Chris Chafin and Ricky Camilleri, do that one, um, and uh, it's a lot of fun. Awesome. I will say one thing that came up when we were talking about White Man Can't Jump, and then I'll stop sh- talking about it because it's not a movie that's nominated this year, um, is, you know, this this refrain that, like, I think is has become old at this point, but that doesn't make it any less true, which is that, like, they don't make movies like this anymore. We were talking about the fact that the movie itself is, you know, it's a sports movie. It's kind of a comedy um, and it's not like about race, capital R, but it is like allowing room for those conversations to happen and just sort of like, you know, r- real friendships to be explored. Um, and that now, like when movies are made to justify their existence, they have to like, you know, be about something um, like TM or, you know, be part of the franchise and that we've lost kind of that like middle of the road kind of mid budget. uh, This is just a story about some guys and like some interesting stuff happens um, because we're talking about real life. And I just, I really love white man can jump. I think it's an awesome movie. Yeah, absolutely. But there was a slice of life movie, uh, nominate a couple of them but we haven't mentioned this one yet licorice pizza a slight a very weird slice of life i'm not sure a slice of life that most normal people uh, have experienced i watched this movie today and i was horrified to find out that all the criticisms were basically right it is a very weird strange off-putting movie i was not at all rooting for the predatory relationship to be Fulfilled and fulfilled and consummated, and even the movie seems to understand it at a certain point that these people should not know each other at all. But by the end, the movie goes back on this, and we're back into this young puppy love, a puppy love romance between a twenty-eight year old and I guess a fifteen. She's uh, twenty. I think she's twenty-five, and he's fifteen. But yeah, it's weird. I I think that the way that the movie justifies it, though, uh, in some way, I guess. I mean, I'm not trying to stand up for uh age gap discourse or whatever but um like i i think that the way the movie justifies it is it's kind of alana Haim's coming of age story rather than being um 
uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's son's uh, coming of age story. You know what I mean? So it's kind of playing with the idea, I guess, that like at 25, she's still completely like unfulfilled and lost and is kind of in this perpetual adolescence. Um, And I, I really wish that it wasn't like a 15 year old that she was, you know, not trying to bang and then, you know, probably ended up banging right after that because it made it very off putting and very weird. But like, I do think that uh, it's kind of like, it's her coming of age story rather than anything to do with him. Um, so I don't know. I found that, that part of it kind of interesting. I was uh, less bothered by the age gap stuff and mostly just like not interested or invested in what happened to them. <laughs> like um, I, I have like mixed feelings about PTA as a director. Um, I think there are a lot of people online that think he can do no wrong. And um, I think that he can and has, (laughs) and this film was like fine, but it reminded me a lot of inherent vice, which is just like kind of boring. A lot of just like vignettes, like opportunities for PTA to showcase vignettes that he really wants to showcase and not necessarily like giving me anything to really care about the people involved. And agree with you, Leslie, definitely not normal slice of life, like totally insulated, uh, you know, upper middle class, white suburban Los Angeles um, slice of life for sure. Starting one small business after another. I'm not I sure. How yeah, I, uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I am a big PTA fan, and I, you know, typically have loved uh, Paul Thomas Anderson movies. And uh, this one, I kind of had to like, you know, uh, reckon with for a little while to realize that, like, yeah, I, I, I just don't really like licorice pizza all that much, and I guess I have to afford PTA his COVID movie, but I don't think that there's anything. You know, that's uh, the, I, I don't think I he's portraying the valley better than he portrayed it in Magnolia or Boogie Nights. I don't think he's doing like a surreal and weird love story better than he did in Punch Drunk Love. You know, um, I kind of just think this movie is I, I, I do think it's the worst Paul Thomas Anderson movie. And I kind of walked out kind of feeling like it's not that, you know, impressive of a film uh, and. That was a surprise to me to, because I am someone who is like a Paul Thomas Anderson can do no wrong kind of person. He kind of wrote, I mean, he wrote a movie uh, like in this case also just for somebody, right? Like he wanted Alana Haim and her family to, you know, kind of have a role in one of his movies. So like it kind of does feel like he's forcing a lot of the plot because he's he's trying to like do a, a character driven movie that's like, you know, literally kind of uh, echoing parts of her life. I mean, I, I assume that she's not dating a 15 year old, but like, you know, the other parts of her life with her actual family playing her family and like her kind of interests um, navigated through it. So it kind of, uh, I don't know, a lot of it felt forced for that reason, because like, where are you going to take that? You're like, hey, I like this girl and I've directed a bunch of her music videos. We're like family friends or like um, there's some weird connection where her mother taught him in school or something. And it's like he wanted to include all of them in the movie. So he wrote a movie to do that. And it's like, where are you going to really take that idea? Yeah, Tony yeah. This is a bizarre thing with Tony Hawk talking about James Bond. I would assume this is the MFT related, uh, just from the collection of people. 
Uh, one can hope, Leslie. I, I was curious about that. How how many years? You know, we see the crypto ads already. How long do you think it's going to be until the the physical award, the Oscar, makes way for uh, the NFT and everyone is just gifted, uh, you know, this this JPEG image of their their statuette? Oh, I'm sure they're in the gift bags already. I actually think last year they were giving out NFTs or crypto or something in the gift bag for all the celebrities. NFT, of course, stands for no fucking trophy. <laughs> so we get the James Bond tribute now. What's the best James Bond movie? movie? What's the one James Ooh, Bond movie? Ooh, tough. You, you know what's a contender, actually, is uh, GoldenEye. GoldenEye is like a real, real good movie on its own. That first Casino Royale is pretty good, too. There's a lot of good stuff. I like From Russia with Love. Wow, okay. It's a good one. Oh, panel, please chime in with your favorite James Bond. You know, I have never been a huge James Bond fan. I did like GoldenEye. Same. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I have never really followed the series very much. But I, I do remember, you know, very reluctantly going to the theater to see Casino Royale at the behest of a friend who was a big Bond head and being really blown away by that experience. Like for the first time feeling like I was really invested in a James Bond movie. So maybe I'm not the right person to ask, but I do think that Casino Royale, if like not the best of all time, is definitely in in contention for like one of the best Bond films. All right, and we do have a caller on the line. Jeremy, go ahead, unmute yourself, ask your question, give us your take. Tell us who's your pick to win the best picture. Jeremy, are you there? The mute, yeah, the yeah, I'm here. Um, uh, uh, my best picture isn't even nominated this year, so this is kind of a lost cause. But uh, I think that this year, uh, No Time to Die should win best picture because it's the only. I'm like a huge James Bond freak, and it's the only Bond film that has gotten me to cry since on Her Majesty's Secret Service, like at the end of that one with Diana Ray getting shot by Blofeld. And I just, it's, I haven't seen that many movies this year, like current movies, but I think that one's pretty cool. I think that Billie Eilish should, should win for that song that she did for it. And uh, I also think, something I think would be pretty funny is if, uh, Simon Rex would have gotten a nomination for uh, Red Rocket. So, and if he could have won that, which would mean that a porn star would have won an Oscar, I think that would have been cool. I mean, and also MTV VJ winning an Oscar. I don't think that. I don't think that's happening. Maybe we got Polly Shore winning the Oscars. Does anybody know? I. I I would I would hazard uh, the guess probably. <laughs> I was uh I was at a I was at a rave one time in Brooklyn, and uh, for some reason Simon Rex was there, just like hanging out by like the concession stand. I have a picture of it somewhere. Of uh I like I like ran up to him and was like, "Hey, you're you're dirt nasty, aren't you?" And he's like, "Yeah." 
and uh, I got a I got a picture of me hanging out with with Simon Rex. <laughs> That's cool. Personally, personally, uh, I think that every year the Oscar should go to the film Ricky O, the story of Ricky. I don't care that it came out in 1990. I think it should just keep getting the Best Picture award. Well, Jeremy, thank you so much for your call. Much appreciated. Please keep hanging up with us. We'll keep watching the Oscars. We'll keep hanging out. We'll keep talking about the Oscar picks. Folks, he mentioned a movie that didn't get nominated. What are some movies that should have been nominated for Best Picture? Or some performances that should have been nominated but did not uh, get nominated? My big one, I think, Green Knight. I'm shocked that this didn't get any love. I just saw that today. I really liked it. And should have been nominated, I believe. Yeah, surprised that Green Knight didn't see anything. Um, you know, a- as is tradition, the Academy has uh, totally rebuked uh, the great Paul Schrader. And I would have liked to see the card counter somewhere in contention. Um, at the very least, Oscar Isaac for his performance in that. Um, Tiffany Haddish does a really good job in a supporting role in that movie as well. I'm very shocked, but also, I suppose not, if I stop to think about it, that Benedetta is not (laughs) nominated, um, at least in the international category. I think that film is perfect and amazing and so thrilling. Um, But we all know how the Academy feels about Paul Verhoeven. So there you have it. Yeah, that's the one, that's the one Verhoeven movie I haven't seen yet. Um, it's so good, and it seems like it's good. It seems like it's really good. It's phenomenal. Um, when I finally do, like, we have to do a Movie Night Extravaganza episode on it because I feel like I've done, we've done streams on everything else, including Showgirls, which we had, I think you guys did your Showgirls stream, like, two weeks after we did ours or something, like when you guys did your episode. <laughs> we did. <laughs> so I was, Showgirls I was... is like the movie of 2022 right now. I have seen many of our friends and contemporaries in the podcast and stream game talk about it within the last like couple months here. It's like, it's having another sort of resurgence. Yeah. And it's a good ass movie, but I, I, um, like I, I, at the first, so I watched it like three times. I hadn't watched it before that. I don't know why, but I just hadn't. And um, I liked it more, I think, every time I, I watched it again. Um, I started off kind of being neutral about it, which is kind of my like contrarian position, I think, about every movie that people either love or hate. I'm always like, I don't feel any type of way about this. But um, I, I don't know. I ended up enjoying it like the second two times I watched through it more. And then talking about it kind of was cool. There's a lot going on. <laughs> Yeah, it's so good. I, you know, not to just, you know, spend the entire show. I know we've already plugged a bunch of other people's stuff, but um, the, the excellent critic, uh, Adam Naiman, has a whole book on it called It Doesn't Suck. And uh, I read that ahead of our episode. And he, I think, makes an excellent case for that movie being just a, a secret masterpiece. I, I think that movie is so great. Well, it, it connects to, you know, what we were saying earlier about, like, Power of the Dog not having kind of sex in it, right? And 
um, I like Verhoeven talks about this a lot, like nudity and sex in general kind of aren't shown within American cinema. Like we're um, incredibly puritanical about that. And it's kind of gotten to the point where like, even like in the seventies and eighties, kind of, there was a moment where people like all tour directors obviously realized that they can show that, like show sex more. And they like tried to experiment with it. And, but like, we're, we're kind of at a point where, you know, it's been totally taken out of all uh, American cinema, like all mainstream American cinema, really like, kind of pornography is considered one category and mainstream cinema is considered another category. Everybody wants that PG 13, um, like rating, you know what I mean? Like that's kind of the sweet spot because they want everybody really to be able to see their movie. So having like hearing Verhoeven kind of explain that and talk through it, um, you know, while defending showgirls on a bunch of different panels, like kind of made a lot of sense. And with power of the dog, like it's interesting. That's kind of a, a movie that's completely devoid of, it's about sexuality while being completely devoid of sex, which um, it kind of feels like the culmination of exactly what Verhoeven was talking about. <laughs> we have an Encanto performance, I believe. Lot, lots of uh, children's movies references on these Oscars so far. You got Dune, you got your Encanto, you got your Coda. I don't feel like this is a very terribly mature batch of films that we're looking at that the Oscars are looking at, it feels like the industry on the whole has kind of bent to the whims of Disney and movies for adults. Even the movies that are supposed to be for adults, like Licorice Pizza, extremely kid-focused uh, movie, even though Paul Thomas Anderson was t- talking about how hard it is to make a movie for adults, but then he chose not to make one. Yeah, I agree with you, Leslie. It everything feels kind of dumbed down a little bit, younged up, I guess. Um, and you know, if we're talking about other movies that didn't make the cut this year, a great movie that is like you know, if you if you wanted to award a sort of like capital M like message movie that's actually like about our time, despite the time period it's set in. Uh, the Last Duel, the Ridley Scott movie. You know, he released two this year. House of Gucci, I think, is being recognized somewhere along the way here, maybe in the actor categories. I don't even remember. But The Last Duel, I think, is the superior movie. Excellent performances in it. Also, you know, dealing with something that is like, I, you know, I mean, it, very sort of proximate to the Weinstein controversy. Like, it feels like the kind of movie that, like, Hollywood should be sort of, like, receiving and rewarding. This performance is not good. I don't. I'm not. I'm not into it. <laughs> oh, I like Haley Bailey from uh, Grownish here uh, with the pre- presentation. I, th- I guess these are supposed to be like the young people. I maybe they've all been Disney shit uh, so far. Again, still on our uh, very youth focused Oscar. Even though, like, I think young people care about movies less than ever before. So. I don't know. They should just be focusing on old people because we're the only people who care about movies. Well, I mean, it feels like they're unable to grapple with, like, the, you know, the young person, I guess, issue of our time, which, you know, they're making these coming-of-age movies and Marvel movies kind of uh, almost, like, uh, to an infantilized audience, it feels like a lot of times. 
and not that I don't like a lot of those movies, but like looking at something like Licorice Pizza, right, where they're talking about how like people don't really grow up um, now until they're in their like sometimes until they're in their late twenties. Like people are kind of just lost. This is kind of a lost generation, and instead of grappling with you know uh, the lack of kind of employment opportunities for people that really build them up, the lack of um, really like like the, the the type of ways that like previous generations could afford houses could you know. Um, really kind of create an adult life for themselves that's getting farther and farther away from young people who are just kind of, you know, millennials are, are more lost than ever. And instead of grappling with that, it seems like they're kind of infantilizing us through media. You know what I mean? Like something like Liquor's Pizza just kind of takes it for granted that, you know, um, someone is still kind of going through a perpetual adolescence at 25 or 28 or whatever she is because she changes it multiple times in the movie. And then Cantwell wins. Uh, Jared Bush uh, is coming to the stage. His first Oscar nomination. Part of the Bush crime family, apparently. What did they win for? Was it best song or? It seemed like it was best animation. I think best it's best anim- animated. Yeah, it looks yeah. like animated feature. Yeah. Best regime regime change operation. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see I have not seen any of these in the animated category. Um but but I but Luca did look interesting to me. I watched Encanto. I enjoyed it. Uh kind of kind of sucks that I uh that, that he's part of the Bush gang there. I didn't realize that. <laughs> But um, I, I I liked Encanto because it kind of I'm like half Puerto Rican and yet you know it's a little it's Colombian tale but kind of resonated with me in a way but yeah I I I enjoyed it it's a kids movie the animation style is okay and great I like this guy's jacket. I'm just gonna say I do like that guy's suit. Yeah. That that two piece. He's there. We go. Yeah, I can't confirm whether or not he's part of the Bush crime family. You know, it's just he's a Bush whose whose parents and grandparents worked for the CIA, but he's pretty locked down as far as his uh, family history. But hey, good for Encanto. I mean, Gaithersburg, Maryland. That is a tale. That is like CIA country. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't. I don't really trust once someone like kind of makes the cia connection anyone from like maryland or virginia kind of is suspect we have a tribute what is what is this top five effie singing i'm telling you the matrix bully uh the, the matrix bullet dodge i think maybe bullet dodge avengers assemble fight they know is this most iconic movie moment moments maybe if so, in game going above the Matrix. Oh, Spider Man No Way Home. Is this uh jumping the shark Oscars? Like are they really What is what <laughs> it said Number it said one. uh it said best Oh well now it's cool actually. Now it said best cool. cheerworthy uh movie moments. Oh. Maybe uh, this is one of the <clears throat> fan awards. So this, I don't... actually this is just showing which fan base uh is the most uh mad online and the Snyder people win. <laughs> yes. 
Yeah, like, I don't want to belabor this too much, but I just feel like it's it's odd to me to have Noel Jackson's Lifetime Achievement Award bumped for, like, most cheer-worthy moment or what you know they're not mutually exclusive but when they're when they're clearing out the roster to make room for some of these things it's like i this and take sam jackson's lifetime achievement award 12 times out of 10 it's just weird this feels like an mtv movie awards yes (laughs) it's very similar I wouldn't yeah, do that with his arm. I don't think it's going to help. I really don't think it's going to help the ratings to play like three second clips from you know Justice League. Um, even though that's what their goal is here, they just want people tweeting about this shit. Like that's that's the currency yeah. here, right? It's not. It's I not actually. I, I, like, as I'm watching yeah. this Academy Awards, I know that they the big focus this year has been to get people to tune back into the Academy Awards. I predict that this will be another of the lowest rated ever Academy Awards. I think yeah. tomorrow we're getting a lot of the nobody watched Academy Awards articles again. Well, they just have to get everybody invested in podcasting. And then, <laughs> you know. I mean, yeah, like, I, I would watch it live. Shit if not for being asked to do a call in about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've done it. I've done that two. I've done it two years in a row because I was on uh, This Is Revolution last year and we did one. And, uh, like, I wouldn't, I don't think I've watched the Oscars. I can't remember a time that I've watched the Oscars that weren't, like, you know, for the content. Like, I don't. We, we just need so to pass To be clear, we're point. not rolling with this all night. We, in fact, if we have any more callers, please feel free to jump in. We've been going for an hour. We've watched enough Oscars. Who gives a shit? We've had a great time talking about the movies. Any of the movies, any of the movies nominated are actually good that you want to tell people that they should check out. Uh, make sure to check. I I will rep uh, drive my car. I really did enjoy drive my car quite a lot. Um, I thought Nightmare Alley was a lot of fun too. Uh, oh, I, I, I could not it, like a best picture. I want to talk about Nightmare Alley. I thought that was dreadful, dreadful, wow, dreadful. Really? Watch the original. Watch the original. I, I like saw no Brad, Bradley Cooper trying to play a twenty-something-year-old was absolutely ridiculous. I could not. <laughs> believe they tried to pull that shit off like no he's like two years younger than uh the woman who's supposed to, the older woman who's supposed to be seducing him uh tony collette i could not believe they were trying to pass bradley cooper off as like a 20 something year old who was called kid hey kid yeah. hey kid no no he yeah. was like I, I, an I old drifter and it would have worked with the film too just say he's an old drifter that's it he's so, in the carnival so I haven't I haven't seen uh, the Bradley Cooper one yet, and I intended to, and then I just didn't. But um, we did an episode on the 1947 uh, Nightmare Alley, um, I think two months ago or three months ago, and I also read like a good portion of the book for that episode because we had uh, um, Ilian Jones from uh, Jacobin on and to talk about it. And, oh, um, she's great. She's absolutely yeah, great. she is. Yeah. But so so I so I was like steeped in like the Nightmare Alley. Um, you know, both like the the literature and the the older movie, and I actually really enjoy the older, like the nineteen forty seven movie, and would one hundred percent co sign that that's the one you should watch. <laughs> it's funny to me, you know, I had heard pretty mixed to like rather negative things about Nightmare Alley, 
But I saw a post from William Friedkin, the great Billy Friedkin on his Twitter account, talking about how great the new Nightmare Alley is. And it piqued my interest. But now I think I understand maybe where this is coming from. So so Friedkin did a, a movie in 2000 called uh, Rules of Engagement with Samuel L. Jackson and Tommy Lee Jones. And in the movie, they're like, supposed to at one point be playing younger like 20 something versions of themselves i remember in in vietnam and then like also be like like philip baker hall plays tommy lee jones's dad in it even though like he's only like 15 years older than tommy lee jones maybe so like that weird age thing where they're portraying people significantly younger than them maybe that i i think now that that's why friedkin was so attracted to nightmare alley it's like they tried to make bradley cooper like a 25 year old. And he's like, that's, that's what I've been trying to do with all of my movies too. Was it, was it more awkward than uh, De Niro, um, the aging stuff in, uh, in the Irishman? Um, yeah. I mean, I didn't mind the De Niro stuff. They're just like the couple of those like wide shots, right. Where it's like, it's clearly like a, an older man who's, who's moving kind of slow, who's supposed to yeah. be <laughs> like over overpowering, like some, you know, like thug. So I I didn't I didn't really notice that that much until um I I joined a bunch of uh Scorsese meme groups on Facebook and they all make fun of that and just like Photoshop De Niro into like other things where somebody should be playing like somebody much younger they're like look at this twelve year old and it's fucking De Niro and de aging face. (laughs) Wait, Forrest, did you just say you you joined a bunch of Scorsese? Facebook like hate Facebook groups? No, not hate. Like like Martin Scorsese eyebrow posting. Like it's people that really like Scorsese movies. Oh, that okay. are made. Yeah, no, I okay. I fucking love Scorsese. I'm not, you know, I would no, I would I cut off my. I thought you were maybe doing it for like research purposes, <laughs> like you know, tracking. No, the, I, I the tried. I tried that one. I tried that one time with um, uh, we did Roadhouse. I joined a Sam Elliott boomer posting. Um group for that and just kind of regretted it forever so my my uh my ironic joining or ironic content mining joining bad uh facebook meme groups are done i tried it one time i didn't like it (laughs) i like wanda sykes i really like her i dig her She's great in uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. I love I love that she just kind of pops in on random episodes. <laughs> Always giving Larry shit. Well, yeah. Look if we ha- and Jay, you called back in. Feel free to unmute yourself. If we have any more callers, please feel free to hop in right now. We will be wrapping up our Oscar- Oscars watch soon. We've been going for a little bit over an hour. We don't need to go to all the end, folks. We'll talk shit about it tomorrow morning like everybody else. But Jay, did you have a question or take you want to have another prediction? Sorry, just really quick to mention in the animated category as well, there was another plantation owner from Cuba, a gusano, European, Philip Lord Betancourt. Oh, yes, we know, we, know oh, we know about Lord. We know about Lord. Everybody know about Lord. Lord Lord, be posting about the shit on Twitter. Everybody knows about Philip Lord. He 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 can't help himself. Uh, Jack, you were the one who first told me about him a while ago, I think. So we 
we talked about the movies this year. What movies are you excited for this coming year, Leslie? What are you excited to see? I think the, I don't know if there's another movie that's being made that I'm actually looking forward to. If I'm being honest, it's like because okay. there's, I mean, what what is what's coming out that's like, oh, I know what David Cronenberg's Crimes of the Future. David Cronenberg's Crimes of the Future. That seems cool because it's Cronenberg. Oh, that's the one. Yeah, done anything in a while, but that's about it. <laughs> Are we gonna do another Cronenberg stream when that comes out? Oh yeah, for sure. That was fun. That was a good time. Oh, yeah. That one and and Andrew Dominic's uh, Blonde, the Marilyn Monroe one that's based on the Joyce Carol Oates uh, book. I think that one's going to be nuts. It's gotten officially the NC-17 rating. Netflix is uh, trying to bury it in their like list of, of upcoming releases. And if nothing else, we're going to get some absolutely insane Joyce Carol Oates tweets out of it. So... I'm looking forward to that one. I'm most excited for the Northmen that's coming out uh, next month, actually. Yeah, I think Northmen looks pretty cool. I I can't. So did wait. people see Don't Look Up? No, I did not. I saw it. I, I saw it, and I, you know, I I appreciate what it was trying to do, and I, I kind of wish it had decided whether it wanted to be a comedy or a, a real or like a drama movie. Um, but you know, I, I, I appreciate that they were able to get a big satire made like that. Yeah, I liked it. I dug it. I, I liked it as like kind of a satirical sci-fi movie. I I feel like the reaction to it was very strange because it was like a movie with the politics that people say they one in a movie and it, that made them even more mad at it because it was just a movie and it can't really uh, do anything. But I think that's something uh, that's fairly common. No, I mean, I think, I think it was good. I um, think it was funny. There were, there were times though that I was laughing and I had to think about it like, and go, wait a second, I'm laughing because of shit that's like way too online that kind of got snuck into there. Um, I, I thought it was a good movie though. I, I don't know if it worked effectively to try to like kind of, project the message that it wanted to but i think that that's kind of disconnected from whether or not it's a a good entertaining movie and i definitely thought that like you know that that two hours flew by yeah um and i laughed a lot i don't know i mean what else do you really want i i do want um i i, I don't know if they've they definitely haven't done this award yet i guess but like uh han zimmer is going against um nicholas Breitel, that who's the guy that did the score for don't look up and also does the secession theme which i fucking love so I'm rooting yeah. for him against Hans Zimmer because we have a an anti uh, Hans Zimmer podcast. I mean, it didn't start out that way, but um, but Conan Neutron, who like co-hosts Movie Night Extravaganza, is like started out this this whole thing by talking about how he hates Hans Zimmer when we did our first Dune episode. We did the David Lynch one, <laughs> so I'm rooting against Hans Zimmer to win any awards. Not to disappoint you, Forrest, but the score uh, award is one that they took off air. For this year's broadcast, and, and it was Hans Zimmer, Zimmer wasn't it? Hans Zimmer did win. God damn it! <laughs> Zimmer. I did. I never had a thought about Hans Zimmer, so we did this whole thing, and and um, I, I don't know if, if you guys have ever been on when Conan's on, but um, because I think he was off the night that that we did uh our last episode. Um, what the fuck? The the, the one with Clive Owen or whatever. The the oh, no, Conan was like, on you know, for Children of Men. Children of Men. Why am I blanking on that name? I don't like. I watched it three times for that episode. <laughs> but yeah, um, 
Yeah, I think he showed up at the last minute, right? Yeah, so he he's, I mean, as a musician, obviously, like, he's just very anti-Hans Zimmer because he thinks he's a hack. So, <laughs> so I started rooting against Hans Zimmer. But I like, I love the secession theme. So Nicholas Breitel is all right with me. I don't know. Did a good job with Don't Look Up, too. I'm checking Twitter right now, and people are actually losing it about this Justice League win for most fan-worthy moment. So I guess the getting people talking, it, it did work. I don't know it why worked. anyone would care. <laughs> but yeah. it, I guess it is working. People are, like, pissed. They're like, I don't... Like, what difference does it... Like, they had movies from, like, tw- two decades, you know, spanning for most fan servicey moment. I don't know why people care, but I guess they do. Maybe that's what all yeah. the Oscars are going to be from now on. Yeah. Like the, just the MTV Movie Awards style. Exactly. Totally, totally agree. <laughs> They're just going to do all the hate clicks now. They're just, you know, whatever the <laughs> engagement is, is going to be, you know, good engagement for them. So they'll just keep doing it. And what is MTV Movie Awards going to be like? The Oscars? The old Oscars? <laughs> <laughs> the MTV are Movie Awards be... are, are going to start being prestige, all A24 yeah. films. I would take <laughs> Yep. Letterboxd presents the MTV Movie Awards 2022. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. No, um, I, I think also, though, that, like, it's just kind of an awkward fumble, I guess, into uh, the fan service part of it, right? Like, I, I think it's interesting to watch that more than it is infuriating. Like, it's interesting to watch how they kind of um, try to represent, like, the more, I guess, populist is the right word, like, view for uh, movies. And it's, so it's interesting when it's kind of this fumble into it. And they're like, well, you know, the 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 pigs at home like all of these uh people watching that are like the viewers they love marvel movies so let's show them like a bunch of clips of marvel and dc movies and and see if they react to that better of course they won't but like yeah and it's so foolish because people who like that stuff still want like the serious movies to be serious right they still want the oscars to be the oscars there's a very narrow window of people who like Marvel movies, but also want Marvel movies to win Academy Awards, I think. I was actually going to ask if, like, Twitter is not the litmus test or, like, the weather vane for this. And so I fully realize that my my perspective here is, um, is being colored by that. But it seems, based on the online conversation, that more and more people are approaching these films as, like, high art. Um, I could be totally misreading that, but I feel like the way that people talked about the Eternals movie was just, like, totally insane. I thought I was losing my mind. Um, but I don't know. You, I feel like you're you're more up on those those conversations than I am, Leslie. Yeah, I feel like it is very Twitter, very people who used to have Tumblrs became like bloggers and outlets and stuff. I think a lot of that happened. I don't feel like it really has a strong place in the real world. And Troy Kotsur from uh, Coda wins Best Supporting Actor. Good pick. Good pick, I think. I like it. I'm I'm okay with that one. I thought he did a a, a, in a a not great movie. It was a good performance. Yeah. It was uh, presenting that award was it was the grandma from Minari, right? I'm I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I was I was so in the I was so in the bag for her to win last year, Um, and she did. She won best supporting actress. But like, I don't know. That was the one award last year I decided I really really cared about, 
And I, cause I, I loved her in Minari. Minari was fucking good. What is up with this set? It is very strange. I do not like this set at all. I don't like the redesign kind of, I don't know, far future science fiction. Um, it looks like a Pepsi logo in the background to me. Very strange. Being, being the graphic the designer. Wavy kind of thing. It feels like it's really retro. What is the blue ribbon Ukraine? I was wondering, what? are we going to get Zelensky tonight? Yeah, I was wondering that too. Like a mention from him or something? He wanted. He was trying to get on the show actually, and Sean Penn said he's not going to come to the show unless Zelensky gets like his moment. He said he was going to melt down his Oscar. Does that mean? Does that mean he's actually going to do it? Do you think? Do you think Sean Penn will actually? That sounds like he's having a meltdown himself. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I think they should call his bluff and and make Sean Penn do the the pettiest fucking thing ever, which is melt down his Oscar trophies, and then I don't know. Then he can drink them for all like that would be cool to watch. Actually, that would be a a nice way to end it. Wait, are they actually gold? Because I never assumed that they were actually gold that you could melt down. That would be such Maybe. a great, like, self, I mean, parody of Hollywood alley ship. Well, he's, uh, you know, he just got back from Ukraine because Vice hired him to make a documentary on the ground. Um, yeah. Like, as the invasion started, which kind of feels like fucking an op. Like, it feels like that's, like, their version of propaganda or whatever that we're going to have to yeah. see in a couple months. But. I mean, I don't know. It's kind of uh, fascinating to think about Sean. Cause Sean Penn's never winning another Oscar. Like, n- no one wants to see a movie with Sean Penn in it. Like, he's purely kind of the the humanitarian State Department guy now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Solid bronze is what the Oscars are made of. Played it with twenty four karat gold. Oh, interesting. Uh, okay. Wow, you think you're special, and then well, you find out. Well, folks, we've been going for about an hour and a half. We've talked about, I think, all the big movies uh, so far that we've seen. Uh, but thank you so much for joining us on this Oscars watch-along party. You can finish watching at home. We'll talk shit on the internet about this tomorrow. Thank you so much for joining me tonight on Culture. You can find me and Jack on Struggle Session. You can find Katie on the Katie Helper Show. You can find Carly and Hit Factory on the Hit Factory Podcast. You can find Forrest on Movie Night Extravaganza. You can find Lonnie on Twitter. At where can you give us the at one more time? Phantom Roses. Phantom Roses. I think that's <laughs> yeah. everybody we still have on now. I think maybe a couple of our speakers and I, dropped I have out. Now a, I have a show on Colin now. Oh, and Colin too. Make sure to follow Katie on Colin for notifications for when she goes live. But everyone, thank you so much for this great talk, great uh, discussion. We'll be back on Culture next week. Have a good one. Peace. Thank you. Bye, everyone.